0: Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 11 When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace the Lord appeared to him at night and said I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for my temple for myself as a temple for sacrifices when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. Thank you, Sarah. As you know, we've been talking uh, for a month now about prayer, Um, 40 days of prayer, and then also uh, 40 days for life that Tom was referring to. And today I want to talk about breakthrough prayer. Last week, uh, uh, the presentation uh, from Rick Warren on that video was about breakthrough prayer. Uh, There's no doubt about it. As we rend our hearts, God promises to rend the heavens because guess what? God keeps his promises. In fact, he is the ultimate promise keeper. Every word that God has spoken will come to pass. Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them. I've come to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. God Keeps his promises. And the Bible says that Sarah just read, if my people, in 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people, not the heathen people, uh, not the unregenerate people, but if my people, now 2 Chronicles 7.14, uh, God was referring to God's special chosen people, Israel, but through faith in Jesus Christ, this verse can be applied to us. We are God's people. Through faith in Jesus, we have been grafted in to the family. Peter, in his first letter, describes Christians as a chosen people, as a royal priesthood, as a holy nation belonging to God, that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And so we as Christians can apply Second Chronicles 7.14 to us Because through simple faith in Jesus, we are the people of God. So if my people, that's you and me, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. I think every revival or awakening in history, every breakthrough that I've read about has had this very verse as its foundation because it's a covenant. It's an if and a then. An if and a then. If my people, then I. You know, we have a part and God has a part in awakening and breakthrough and revival. And God always keeps his promises because he's the ultimate promise keeper. Now, before we talk about, you know, my part and God's part, uh, let's clarify a few things concerning revival and spiritual awakening and breakthrough. I define revival as an increased awareness of, an experience of, and or a hunger for more of God's presence, God's power, God's purity, and God's passion that changes everything. But we need to realize that God is the one who initiates revival. Just like salvation, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. And Jesus said in John 6:44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And it's the Holy Spirit that actually convicts us of sin. John 16, 8 and 13 says, When he comes, that is the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. He will guide you into all truth. And so before revival comes, I believe the Holy Spirit will create in the hearts and in the minds of believers the desire to repent and the desire to fast and the desire to pray. During revival, the Holy Spirit persuades believers of their true condition and their need to repent and then return to their first love. You know, the church has become a lukewarm Lack of love, lost church that does not, does not love God with, with all of her heart and mind and soul and strength and does not love her neighbor as herself. And revival is all about calling the people of God to repentance and bringing them back to their first love, that extravagant love, that lavish love, to a life of faith and joyful obedience. And we need a revival, a fresh touch from God, an awakening. I mean, look at our culture Sex sin, abortion, pleasure, greed, gender confusion, idolatry. I mean, look at the church, divided, you know, mediocre, complacent, comfortable, visionless, powerless, the sin of unbelief, the sin of religious tradition, pride, fleshly desires, broken relationships, you know. We need a healing in our nation and a healing in our world and a healing in our schools and a healing in our businesses and government and neighborhoods and communities and families, lives, minds, hearts, and bodies. America needs a spiritual awakening. We need a new touch from this powerful God that we claim to believe in, this awesome God who actually raised Jesus from the dead we need a mighty move of God we need God to release his supernatural power for what to awaken the church to empower believers to touch this city this country for Jesus Christ to take the gospel of Christ throughout the entire world and this is an impossible task if it's just up to us it's totally impossible but with God you know all things are possible so what is my part number one you can just fill in the little blank if you want. It's humility. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Now, you can humble yourself or you can wait for God to humble you. It's your choice. The Bible says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You want grace? and get humble. That means I don't want to go my own way. I want to go your way, God. Get humble means jumping in the back seat. And letting the Lord have the wheel. It's praying, thy kingdom come, my kingdom go. Humbleness, brokenness is irresistible to the Lord. That's why John James had such a powerful message last week. He was a broken man, a contrite man. Psalm 51, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary, And burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Heidi Baker, a missionary in Mozambique with her husband, someone asked her how her missionary team got along so well. She said, go lower. We just tell everybody on the team, you go lower, you get humble, you wash feet. You don't just think about your own interests. Humility in that classic book, Mere Christianity. C.S. Lewis said this. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. He wants you to know him, wants to give you himself. And he and you are two things of such a kind that if you really get into any kind of touch with him, you will in fact be humble, delightedly humble, feeling the infinite relief of having for once got rid of all the silly nonsense about your own dignity which has made you restless and unhappy all your life. He's trying to make you humble in order to make this moment possible. Humility. And where does God live? You know, some say in your heart, some say in heaven. You know, I think they're both right. But listen to Isaiah 57, 15. The Lord speaking, I live in a high and lofty place, but also... With him who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite. You want revival? Get humble. You want breakthrough? Get humble. Lowly in spirit. He revives the contrite, he inhabits the humble. Humility. My part in revival is to humble myself, to get humble, to go lower. Humility. What's number two? Prayer. You know, we've been looking into this for the last 40 days. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. You know, the Western church, we're so busy, aren't we? Working hard for God while the Lord is is just longing for fellowship. Remember Mary of Bethany in the Bible? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus said, one thing is needed, and Mary is doing it. Remember that same Mary? Mary. She was wasting a year's worth of perfume, a year's wages worth of perfume on Jesus, expressing lavish, extravagant love. We are all wasting our lives, either on him or on sin. And I believe the Lord longs for our attention. He longs for our fellowship and our intimacy it's, a, it's a, a amazing the time we believers spend, you know, talking about prayer, reading about prayer, holding conferences on prayer, building prayer rooms, and yet never have we been so preoccupied and infiltrated by worldliness. How much time do we actually spend praying? Jeremiah 30, uh, 33, three, I, I told you this at the beginning, you know, that's God's telephone number, you know, call unto me and I will answer you, you know. I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't know. And in regard to revival, we need to push. I've mentioned this before. We need to push. We need to pray until something happens. It's, it's like a woman in labor. We need to push, push until something happens. Pray until something happens. It's, it's like this humbling and this praying is, is actually giving birth to a great move of God. It's giving birth to an awakening You know, not just in our church, but all over this city. Break through prayer. Take a walk around the church once in a while and just pray that God would break through. Take a walk around this neighborhood once in a while and just pray that God would break through. Take a walk around your neighborhood and just pray, you know, that God would break through. Before you talk to your neighbors about the Lord, talk to the Lord about your neighbors. Huh? Jesus said in Luke 11, you know, ask, seek, knock. It's in the present tense imperative. That means continuous action. You know, keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And he who knocks, the door will be open. In other words, push, right? Push. Pray until something happens. And in this verse in uh, Luke 11, it's in the context of asking for the Holy Spirit. And Matthew is like asking for good gifts. But the parallel here in Luke is asking for the Holy Spirit, asking for the presence of God, asking for the power of God, fresh bread from heaven's bakery, fresh oil, fresh fire. In fact, Luke eleven thirteen 13 says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Come on, Calvary, push. Pray until something happens. Something's going to be birthed. Ask for the Holy Spirit. So what's my part in breakthrough? What's my part in revival? What's my part in spiritual awakening? Humility, prayer, and then number three, seek. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Seeking his face, what does that mean? It means seeking his presence. It's seeking a fresh touch from God. It's an increased awareness of, experience of, a hunger for more of God's presence. Remember the showbread in the temple? The showbread was called the bread of presence. Literally, the bread of face. There are, I think, three dimensions of God's presence. There's that awesome. I call it the awful presence of God, not meaning awful, but full of awe, you know, majestic presence of God. Then there's the abiding presence of God that you get when you accept Jesus as your Savior. You know, he's, he's with you. He'll never leave you. And then there's that amazing presence of God when God kind of shows up, you know, big time. You've been there. It's kind of like a burning bush experience or a Damascus Road experience. You know, those Holy Ghost goosebumps, the manifest presence of God. You can't explain it. Or that trembling conviction of sin. You know, do you seek God? Seek to know him. Seek to, like, touch mm, the, 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 the hem of his garment. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I could be healed. Seek to experience his awesome, abiding, amazing presence. Jeremiah 29. 11 to 14, the Lord speaking to Israel. But like 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, these verses can be applied to us as God's people. Listen, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. Then you will call upon me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I'll bring you back from your captivity. I'll gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Calvary, it's time to seek the Lord. It's time to push. It's time to go lower. Let's seek the Lord, Calvary. Let's pursue God. Let's just press in to God. Let's go after God. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, Give me grace, God, to seek you with all my heart. Seeking his face is, is wanting God more than anything else. Uh, say it in your heart right now. You know, God, you know, I want you, I want you so much. I want to know you. I desire you. You're everything I need and want. I seek you with my whole heart. Father, we thank you, we, we bless you, we honor you. You said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So right now, God, we want to pray that Psalm 63 prayer. Oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I will seek you. My soul longs for you in a dry and weary land where there's no water. And we pray that Psalm 42 prayer, as a deer pants for streams of water. So my soul pants for you, O oh God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? we humble ourselves god we we pray we seek your face we seek you we want you for our families we want you for our marriages we want you for our nation we worship you in spirit and in truth we submit to you our lives our whole soul mind and body we give you praise and we give you glory so humility prayer and seek number 4 is turn If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and then turn. Turn from their wicked ways. You say, well, Dave, I'm not wicked. <laughs> Let me give you a quick definition about wickedness. You know, wickedness is, you know, there's a lot of things that, we, oh, that's wicked, you know. Wicked is forgetting God. And all the other wickednesses come from forgetting God. I'll show you that in just a minute, but you say, well, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. Christians need to repent. You know, metanoia means to change your mind. We need to repent. Church, lukewarm church, self-satisfied church, self-righteous church, self-reliant church, lack of love church. Do we really love God with all of our heart? Do we really love our neighbor as ourselves? Turn means to repent. Turn means to change. Repent was the message of the prophets. Repent was the message of John the Baptist. Repent was the message of Jesus. Repent was the message of Peter. Remember on the day of Pentecost when the church was birthed, Peter declared, repent, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. You're thinking, well, that's right, Dave, all those other people need to repent, you know, all those bad people, all those heathen people, they need to repent. Well, that's true but so does the church, and so do believers. Those seven churches of the Revelation, you ever read the first three chapters of the book of Revelation? Churches. They needed to repent, and so do we. What wicked ways do we as individuals and in churches need to repent of? Again, let me say, wickedness, the root of wickedness is forgetting God. Uh, listen to Isaiah 17:10. You have forgotten the God who saves you. You have not remembered that God is your place of safety. So, what happens when we forget about God? Well, let me suggest a few possibilities: so much sex, sin in the church. It's amazing. Adultery, divorce, pornography. Jesus said if you look with lust, it's just as bad as doing it. You know, you throw those magazines away. Just get off the internet. You know, get somebody who loves you, who can hold you accountable. Murder, you know, our city is killing 23 children a week through abortion. That's a a kindergarten class every week, and that's terrible. But you know what? Jesus said being angry with someone is just as bad as murder. And we're all guilty as charged. The Bible says if you let the sun go down on your anger, you give the devil a foothold. It's time to repent, Calvary, and to kick the devil out of the church. Jesus said if you come to the altar with a gift, and remember your brother has something against you, you leave your gift there in front of the altar. And Jesus said, first, first, go and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Do you know what that verse is saying? Relationship is more important than worship. That's the most blasphemy, isn't it? Why? Because something powerful happens when people agree together. There's something powerful about unity. Psalm 33 says that's when God He commands the blessing when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. Jesus said. That's when I'm going to show up big time. When two or three meet together in my name, there I am in the midst, and I'm going to manifest my presence. There's something about loving one another. 1 <laughs> John 4.12 says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Have we become a lukewarm church, a lack of love church, a lost church? Jesus said in Matthew 5, love your enemies. ha. <laughs> Pray for those who persecute you. Ooh, that you might be sons of your Father in heaven. Hey, we have trouble getting along in our own families, don't we? Or with the people in the next pew. And Jesus is telling us to love our enemies. We need the the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. What about idolatry? Idolatry is more than having a golden calf in your living room or a totem pole in your bedroom. Anything that competes for our love of Jesus can become a substitute for our affections and our worship. George Barnard reports, the average person in the pew spends more time watching television in one day than he spends in all the spiritual pursuits combined for an entire week. Where are we spending our time? Where are we spending our money? Where are we spending our affections? There, that's where the idols are. No wonder the last verse of 1 John says, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Maybe we need to smash those idols that are in our hearts. Maybe there are some items that we need to get out of our homes. Maybe we need to ask God to show us what's an idol, what's unclean, and just get rid of it. Psalm 24, verse 3 and 4 states, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. The Lord, he is inviting us to ascend his holy hill and to have fellowship with him through Jesus Christ. But sin has cause and effect consequences that keep, it keeps the Lord at a distance. It keeps him at arm's length, like a straight arm. And this can happen on a personal level and this can happen on a corporate level. When we lose our perceptible sense of his presence, we conclude, oh, You know, God doesn't hear us anymore. He doesn't see us. We just go about our own business and stop expecting his presence. We forget about God, which is the root of all wickedness. The church may talk about the day God will come and pour out revival, and some people talk about the good old days when God did this or God did that, but where is the present tense reality of the manifest presence of God? We could talk about competition between denominations, you know, we could talk about the spirit of unbelief. We could talk about Bible-believing Christians who don't believe the God of the impossible. You know, we need to be like Caleb. Remember Caleb? He was one of the spies. He brought back a good report. And here's what God said about Caleb in Numbers 14, 24. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall Inherit it. We need more Caleb's. We need more people of faith who follow the Lord fully. Have we grieved the Holy Spirit? Have we quenched the Holy Spirit? Have we neglected the poor? Are we self-righteous? We protest strongly against those really bad sins, you know? The ones that are more obvious, right? The problem is that much of the sin we protest against in the world is just as prevalent in the church. As our religious zeal blinded us to our own condition so that we, you know, we point out the speck in somebody else's eye while, two, while a two-by-four remains in my own eye, Jesus directed a scathing message to the Pharisees saying, "You know, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. That word hypocrite? It meant to be an actor in a play. Someone who was not expected to live in his daily life what he actually portrayed in front of people. And Jesus went on to call the Pharisees these whitewashed tombs, saying that although they looked beautiful on the outside, the reality is what is on the inside, which Jesus included dead men's bones and everything unclean. You know, although they appeared To other people as righteous, they were full of hypocrisy. They were full of wickedness, according to Jesus. In other words, we would rather look good than be good. What are some other wicked ways? I mean, just go through the Ten Commandments. You know, be honest. Go through the Sermon on the Mount. Go through the Great Commandments. I mean, do I love God with all my heart? Do I love my neighbor as myself? Calvary, we need to get right with God and quit playing church. It needs to be a breakthrough. Why hasn't God sent a revival or a breakthrough or a spiritual awakening? Have we humbled ourselves? Have we we prayed? Have we fasted? Do we really seek God? Do we seek his face, his presence? Have we turned from our wicked ways? Or have we forgotten God? God. The root cause of all wickedness. So, what's my part? To sit around and, and wait for God to send a revival? Listen, God has told us what to do, and He's prompting us in what to do. You see, our task is to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and to the control of the Holy Spirit, to humble ourselves, to fast, and to pray, to seek His face. His presence to turn from our wicked ways, to repent, to change, to be obedient to His unchanging, inerrant, authoritative word. And when we do our part, we can expect God to do His part. We can expect the Holy Spirit to transform lives and marriages and families and churches and cities and nations because God, He's the ultimate promise keeper. And Jesus said in John fourteen twenty one, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. It's kind of like two farmers. They lived on a, adjoining farms, and they were both poor when they started. And each of them had similar equipment. Today, one is wealthy, the other is poor. The wealthy farmer works hard. He chooses his seed carefully. He fertilizes the soil. He waters it. He carefully works the field. And at the right time, he harvests the grain. The other farmer is lazy and undisciplined. He doesn't choose good seed. He does not fertilize his soil properly. And he leaves way too much to chance. He loves to sit on his front porch and just watch the world pass by on the state highway. And God sends the sun and the rain on both farms And maybe the snow, too. But he expects the farmers to add the shoe leather, really, and the elbow grease to what he entrusts to them. Listen, Calvary, I think the same is true spiritually. God wants to send awakening and breakthrough and revival to everyone who is willing to repent and to seek his face. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. So are you hungry for God? Are you thirsty for God? God is calling us as individuals, and as a church, as a community, as a nation. I think God is calling us to seek him, really, with all of our being. The revival that he promises begins when we humble ourselves and we fast and we pray and we seek his face and seek his presence and turn from our wicked ways. God has promised to respond with revival fire for any person who will hear love trust and obey him which leads to god's part on your outline what's god's part we have truly done these things under my part god promises to do his part because he is the ultimate promise keeper and what is god's part very simple. In one sentence, God promises to hear from heaven, to forgive their sin, and to heal their land. So, what is hindering revival in your own heart, in our church, in our community, in our nation? Let's pray together. God, I want to thank you for your word. I just thank you how uh, it's so clear. And Lord, uh, we need uh, your Holy Spirit. We need that desire to turn back to you and to not forget about you in our daily lives, Lord, not forget about you in our church, in our city, in our nation. Lord, uh, you call us as your people to humble ourselves and to pray seek your face and to turn from our wicked ways and we just believe that you will hear us you will forgive us and you will heal us lord we need it we need it lord in your name we pray